I'm Charlie Keegan. This is the Central Wigan Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Central Wigan podcast. It is episode four and we are finally back with another match uh, review. It's been a while. It's been since November 12th, I think, when we played Blackpool was the last time we did one and that was a, a win. I was hoping for another win again, but we didn't get it. It was a 1-1 a draw with Millwall down at the Den, which you can't really argue as a result. I think it was a fair result overall and one that we should be happy that we got a point overall because it's a very difficult place to go. We said it in the match preview podcast, trying to get anything at the Den against Millwall specifically is very, very difficult. And I was listening to the commentary and they said a stat and I'm not too sure how true it is, but it sounds true. Millwall have picked up more points at home than any other championship side since the start of last season. Now, if that is true and we've gone and taken a point off them, I think that's a, a big achievement and one that we need to be quite proud of. And it's always hard to try and place blame on somebody outside of you know the 11 men that are on the field. But that referee, Keith Stroud, even if we would have won, I'd have still questioned his performance. Because a lot Callum Lang was getting battered about for the first 25 minutes. And you even heard on commentary, Lang turn around to, the, to Stroud. And he said, how many times am I going to have to get fouled for you to blow something here? And then you look later on, and when Talo Asgard came on, he went down quite easily under a couple of challenges and the referee gave them both as fouls, which I know that if I was a Millwall fan and I saw them, I would be a bit frustrated too. But you can't change anything now. It ended in 1-1. I think that both goals were quality. Um, Zion Fleming's maybe a bit more quality than Will Keane's, but you can't take anything away from the build-up to, to Wigan's goal. So I want to go through a lot of the stats first and then just some standout performances from the Wigan team. And then maybe looking at, is the new era looking good under Colo Torre? And what could we do better going forward to, to turn those draws into wins under this new era? I want to start first with just a few of the basic stats. So possession, Millwall had 43 overall and Wigan 57. And over the both of the halves, Wigan had the share of possession over the both 45 minutes. The first half we had 59%, the second half 56%. And we did look a lot more comfortable on the ball than I had. I think we have done for quite a while. Uh, that led to 12 shots for Millwall, 7 shots for Wigan, 6 on target for Millwall and just a 3 on target for Wigan. Which is actually about right for us this season. We we are averaging 3 shots on target per game. It was just our conversions to goal that we seem to be struggling with. Then for corners, Millwall had 4, Wigan had 3. There was three yellow cards in the game. First one went to Millwall. Murray Wallace got booked at the back for a foul on Callum Lang. That was after 14 minutes. Then Tendai Dariqua found his way into the book as well on 52 minutes. And Curtis Till after the hour mark. Which if you were watching the game, you'd you'd have seen that Till wasted no time running up to Keith Stroud and venting his frustrations. I thought at one point he was going to strangle him, to be honest. He was uh, right in his face. And George Long in goal for Millwall made two saves. Jamie Jones made five saves. I thought he had a really good performance, Jamie Jones, and we'll get onto that just in just a minute. But I thought he, I thought he was brilliant. Passing accuracy, Millwall had sixty seven percent. Wigan had seventy three percent, which is pretty much bang on average for the season. Um, which is is good to see again. 
Long balls, Millwall completed 22 out of 67. Wigan completed 15 out of 65, which was a bit of a shock to me when I read that because usually it's Wigan's sky high on the long ball stats, but Millwall actually had more of them. They completed more, but they also had more. And clearances, Millwall did 16 clearances. Wigan did 25, which to me highlights the defensive solidarity that they had. And then when you look at fouls, Millwall committed 18 fouls and Wigan committed just the 12. And 18 fouls against us is actually the most against us all season by any side. So we knew that going to the Den was going to be a tough place to go, but they, they certainly made it difficult for us. So before I go into a lot of the individual players' stats and just how good some of our players uh, had yesterday, I just want to go through some of the chances and obviously the goals that we, we scored and Millwall scored. So 30 seconds in, Callum Lang kept the ball in just before halfway line, passed it to Keane, who sent it out to McLean on the left, and it was his shot, I think, deflected off a Millwall player onto the head of Nathan Broadhead and forced a good save from George Long, but to go straight to the den and 30 seconds in, have that big chance was was brilliant, I thought. But the goal came just after half an hour with Dariqua. He, he picked the ball up in our own half, then ran through and laid it off to Nathan Broadhead, again down that right-hand side where we were causing problems all afternoon. Broadhead wriggled it through the box and laid it off to Keane, who his original shot sent George Long down onto the floor, to, obviously in a dive to try and save it, but it pinballed off a Millwall player, then back off Callum Lang and fell to Keane again. And he didn't even look up, he just he instinctively shot, knowing where the goal was, and it went in, which makes it eight goals and two assists for him this season. So he's hit double figures now on combined goals and assists, which we knew we knew he would do. And I think he's definitely on track now, obviously, for getting 10 goals this season. Um, and I, I think it's going to be a bit of a struggle to to get another player to also get double figures. I think Nathan Broder is the closest. He's got three goals. Charlie Wyke has two. Tom Naylor's got two. But, you know, I love him, but he's not going to get 10 goals this season, unfortunately. So Keno's definitely going to be our, our focal point. But having Callum Lang back, we, we look so much better attacking and the big question was after we scored was can we hold it going into the break at half time and no <laughs> was the answer it was um i was a bit frustrated with the goal because McNamara picked it up on the on the right hand side well, well into our half and we did, we didn't track him down enough we didn't close him down i think James McLean was the closest and just allowed him to get 5 or 10 yards to run forward with it he then swung the ball into Brad Short where again we stood off them we didn't I don't know if we didn't think there was going to be much coming from the attack or if it's just a bit of naivety in, in um, what Millwall can do. But Bradshaw chested it down and Fleming, again, like Keane did, instinctively just hit it and he showed his quality. And I can't remember where they got him from, but he's, he's Dutch and I think he, he came across for £2 million. It might be less. But that's now nine goals for the season for Fleming and he's got a hat-trick against, I think it was Preston a couple of games ago. So he's definitely got the quality and I think that we, we dealt with him quite well for the, for the most part. But it's just that little bit of quality that players have that come back and bite you sometimes and there was not much we could have done with it. I don't think you could really ask much more of Jamie Jones. Everything happened so quick. You know, in hindsight, we could have closed down the attack, but it it was too late by that point. And you could see how much uh, Power and Naylor were a bit distraught with it. Power had his head in his hands, Naylor went down to the ground. So they knew they made a mistake and... Moving forward, it's about cleaning up those mistakes. I know I joked before about Tom Naylor not hitting 10 goals a season, but he almost got a, a winner for Wigan um, just after an hour mark. It was again, it was Callum Lang running down the right-hand side and he lo- he likes to drill the ball back across the, the box, sort of cut it back. 
and he found James McLean who laid it off to Naylor and his shot forced Long into another another brilliant save. But Naylor's is somebody that gets a lot of stick sometimes and a lot of people want him out of the side, you know, shinny into the side or, or Jordan Cousins over him. But he has he played a brilliant game. Again, we're gonna get into individual players' performances, but if that had gone in, I think that you know, is he a player that you can really keep out of the side moving forward? But again, that's gonna be another debate for another day. Alright, player performances. I'm gonna start with Jamie Jones and goal and then work through defence to midfield to the attack, and then I'll I'll get onto the substitutions just in a just in a little while. So Jamie Jones for me, he definitely could have been up for man of the match. I think Callum Lang overall probably gets it, but Jamie made five saves from the six on target and I get a lot of my stats off sofa score and that's where I really like to go just to see, you know, heat maps and, and see how players are doing. And Jamie rated the highest out of any player on the Wigan team. He got 7.3, which makes it a bit difficult now that Ben Amos is back and he was on the bench um, after his rib injury. when I think he broke his rib or fractured a rib, something like that. So do we carry on going with Jamie Jones or do we bring in Ben Amos for the next couple of games? But Jamie's definitely stated a case for for staying in. Then moving into the defence, we had Joe Bennett, who had a great first half. He made 23 out of his 23 passes and had an 81% pass accuracy overall, which I thought he, he quietly just went about his business. I don't think he did anything fantastic, but sometimes you know you just want a player who can just go about the business, get rid of the ball when they need to. Curtis Tilt, six clearances. Yeah, he got booked, but he's the kind of player that you do really want. And I, I mentioned it in um, in another podcast, but I was a bit surprised that Romani Edmonds Green didn't get the start over Tilt. But you know, Tilt proved why why Torre's probably chosen him, and Torre even named him in the post match conference. And then obviously you've got your main man at the back, Jack Watmore. Nine clearances, one block, two interceptions, and at this point, I don't really expect anything less than brilliant from him. I think he's had maybe one bad performance all season and even that wasn't terrible performance, but he's just somebody that is probably the first name on the team sheet for me. I think he's he's fantastic and he makes the whole defence look a lot more solid around him. I do like him in this two, but I also like him in the three and Progress of Unity did a podcast with him a while ago where he spoke about, you know, does he prefer being in a two or a three? And he, he said he doesn't really he doesn't really mind. He's definitely better on that right right-hand side of the centre-backs um, or if it is a three in the central position but you can you can always count on him I think I think he's phenomenal and then finally in the defence we have Tendai Dariqua who again got booked after 52 minutes but he made four tackles and he was up against that uh, Mason Bennett who was their left like sort of left winger left midfielder and Bennett was just a thorn in his side all day I think that Dariqua did very well with him obviously when you go and get booked there's there's very little you can do after that because you can't lunge in anymore Especially not with Keith Stroud as your referee, so I think I think Dariqua played played well. Um, again, a couple of times that he's given the ball away a little bit cheaply, that's led to Millwall breaking and and causing problems for us. Where obviously Jones was at the back to to help out, but if Dariqua can just tidy up that little bit of play and know that he doesn't always have to rush, there's always a pass somewhere. <laughs> Sometimes he just likes to to hoof it up, but I like him and. When Niambe comes back, I think that right now it's going to be a difficult difficult one to choose who to start. Then I want to go into the midfield where we had Tom Naylor and Max Power. I'm going to start with Max first. Um, it wasn't his 
best performance. Uh, I think statistically, looking at the ratings, he got rated the lowest out of anybody on our side, but also it was his lowest of the of the season so far. He had 69 touches overall and lost possession 22 times. Now, he wasn't terrible, but you could definitely say that it was an off day for, for Max. Do you keep him out of the side? He's played every minute so far. So going into the Sheffield United game next time, I do wonder if Torre is going to keep him in there. Because as a first performance for Torre, you know, to, to witness, it, it wasn't brilliant. But I do like Max and I think that he does drive us forward a lot with his crosses and his, his free kicks that he can swing in. They are so dangerous and it, they're not really ones that you want to keep out of the side by, by bringing in, you know, Shinny or Cousins to work alongside Naylor or whichever variation you want. Uh, some people do. Some people do want power out of the side, but personally, I, I like to keep him in. And then going to go into the attacking phase now. So James McLean is the one I'll go with first. Two key passes and 70% pass accuracy. I don't think it was his best game, but he was also up against McNamara, who is a great right back. And he allowed James McLean into a lot of ta- challenges and allowed that sort of aggressive fight, which disrupted the whole play for McLean. But you know, sometimes you need somebody like James McLean to go up against McNamara to also stop him advancing forward. So that little battle, as it was contained out on that on that side, I didn't mind it. Um, and I think that when you've got McLean, you know, occupied with trying to keep uh, McNamara busy, it allowed other players like Wilkie and like Callum Lang and Broadhead to start working their way through the defence uh, in their own way. And then moving into Wilkie, you've got Two out of two dribbles that he made, 88% pass accuracy, one key pass, and obviously his goal, which which we spoke about earlier and was brilliant. So I think Kino, again, had a great game. He's the kind of player that you do want on your side when you have to go up against a team like Millwall. And I'm interested to see how he does against Sheffield United as well. Um, he seems to like these, these big games. Callum Lang, he was a menace again all afternoon um, on that right-hand side. 8 out of 14 ground jewels he won. He was fouled 5 times and made one key pass. He's a player that other teams like to target and they always think that if you can take Callum Lang out of the game you can disrupt the whole play. So he does, he does get hacked around a bit but he also deals with it pretty well. And then Nathan Broadhead was the final one in the starting lineup uh, that we want to cover. One key pass, 2 out of 3 dribbles and he also was a huge feature in setting the goal up for Will Keane he's obviously not going to get the assist because Callum Lang ended up getting that but the, the move really started with Dariqua but was made by Broadhead he loves to do these little darting runs into the box and we've seen it so many times and he's got three goals to his name and no assists and it is unfortunate that he's got no assists so far this season because he he sets a lot up it's just usually the assist to the assist but I thought he had a brilliant game again and then finally, we've got the three substitutions that were made. First was Josh McGuinness, who came on for the last 16 minutes in place of Nathan Broadhead. He made five touches. He didn't complete any of his passes, and he won two out of four aerial duels. It was a bit of a difficult game for McGuinness to come straight into, and Millwall do have two you know, tall centre-backs, and I think at that point we were just you know, sitting back quite a, lot, uh, quite a bit. We weren't getting the ball into the box as much, so it was always going to be hard for McGuinness to, to really make much of an impact in the game. Telawazgard was another one who came on in place of Callum Lang. He had eight touches, completed four out of his five, won three of his four duels, and he forced two fouls, um, which we spoke about before, Keith Stroud blowing for. They're a little bit soft, but Tello is a player that I want to see more. I want to see him either starting or getting more than 10 minutes to do something because we've seen it so many times. You can win games out of nothing. 
And then finally, we had Jordan Cousins come on for Tom Naylor, who had nine touches, made six out of his seven passes, and also one clearance as well. Cousins came straight on and was immediately into the action, trying to get the ball up the field and break up a lot of the play. Whether he's going to start getting starting roles again under Torre so soon, I'm not too sure. I don't know if Torre is going to stick with Power and Naylor, or maybe he's going to try you know, a Naylor and a Cousins, or even throw Shinny in there, but... Um, Cousins definitely has quality that he can bring to us and I would like to see some more of him. So that is it. We had a 1-1 draw against Millwall in Colo Torres' first game in charge and I think it is fair to say that the new era is off to a, a solid start. It was a little bit shaky you know, before the World Cup break. Obviously, we've had a change of manager. He's come in, not had long to, to deal with the side, but... You know, it's, it's a good start. To get a point down at the Den, as we mentioned before, is always going to be very difficult. I was a little bit optimistic in my match prediction. Um, I said 3-2 to Wigan. I said we were going to go 3-0 up and then and then look to struggle towards the end. But we started strongly. Uh, we looked bright throughout the game. And again, like we mentioned, it's just tidying up these little bits of play, not hoofing the ball up and, and turning possession over, and then just keeping our awareness and situation sometimes just to, to understand that when players are advancing forward, they're always going to be looking up and trying to find the pass. Like McNamara found Bradshaw for their goal, it's stopping that cross. If you can stop that cross, you know, that could lead to a break or even just just to stop their attack. So that's that's what we need to be focusing on now. And we're not a million miles off. I would like to see Scully, Fletcher, White start to come in. I think they're going to be a big boost to the side as well. And that draw now leaves us in 21st in the Skybet Championship. We've got West Brom, Blackpool and Huddersfield all below us. And just to run through the, the scores around the grounds after after this weekend, there is still one more game to play at the time of recording this. There's Sunderland versus West Brom, which is going to be a key one because West Brom have got two games in hand on us and are only a point behind us. So obviously if they get a point, they're going to be level with a game still in hand. And if they win, they're going to you know be, be taken off above us. But... Around the grounds, we had Blackburn 1, Preston 4, Rotherham 1, Bristol 3, Reading 1, Coventry 0, Swansea 0, Norwich 1, Borough 2, Luton Town 1, who got a red card, and I think that was Rob Edwards' first game in charge as well. Blackpool 0, Birmingham 0, Stoke 2, Cardiff 2, Sheffield United 1, Huddersfield 0, QPR, who are actually now under the uh, management of Neil Critchley, who was in for our, in for our job. QPR's 0, Burnley 3 and Watford 0, Hull City 0. I really wanted Watford to to stuff Hull there, to be honest. Um, they're on 25 points. They're a place above us on the same amount of games. Um, they've got a worse goal difference than us. They've got minus 14. We've got minus 10. So I was really hoping Watford would, would do us a favour there, but they didn't. And we are back on Monday the 19th of December. We're at home, actually, against Sheffield United, who are second in the table. So that's going to be a very difficult game. But there'll be a podcast on here doing the match preview. I will also be on the Progress of Unity podcast and the Red Half of Sheffield podcast. A couple of American fans who follow Sheffield United. So I got to be part of their one today and that'll be coming out this week. So make sure you check in the Central Wigan Twitter and I will link everything there. But that is everything from me. Um, I would love to hear your thoughts on the game and what you think that we need to do for for the Sheffield United game. So you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, one of them places, wherever, wherever you can find me. Um, But yeah, that's everything. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Central Wigan Podcast. (laughs) 